Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, February 15th. We are live here at the Nielsen Tennis Center in beautiful Madison, Wisconsin, although beautiful but frozen Madison, Wisconsin. Cold outdoors, hot in here. The tennis on day one, phenomenal. We are excited to recap all of that action, preview day two here at our Division I Men's Championships. Joining me to do just that, you know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR and one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halioris, what a day one we had. Oh, what an incredible day. I mean, hey, we were sleep-deprived, but who cares? I mean, we got to see four rounds of great matches yesterday. Uh, you know, go home and absolutely crash because we were completely exhausted. But And now we're ready to get up and do it all over again. What more could you ask for? No, it was a day that started at 3 a.m. for super producer Daniel Westoff and I. I believe for you it started even earlier than that. Both of us making the trek up here. We did not want to miss a single match, and we made it just in time for that play. Before we break all of that down, I want to remind you listeners that today's podcast brought to you by our friends at Diadem. Diadem on the forefront of all racket and string technology going on in tennis. We trust their products here at Crack Records because we know it's going to get the best tennis out of our games and we think it's going to get the best out of yours too. And if you don't believe us, the only thing I can say is go try a racket for yourself. You're never going to know until you give it a go. You use our promo code CR50, 50% off that racket, the strings, all of your purchases there with Diadem. So be sure to do that, and we want to thank our friends at Aerobar as well. Uh, they setting up our free giveaway. They got us more gear from the pros. John Isner, Steve Johnson, only fitting. It's two former All-American college tennis players given where we're at. Uh, so to get yourself a chance to win that gear, leave a review, a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, you know, you'll mention, hey, I, I want to be in the contest for the giveaway, but also I think you should not let Chris talk as much on the broadcast because, Alex, you're, you know, you're the rock star. Uh, whatever you want to say on there, we would appreciate, but please go and do that. Okay, plugs out of the way. What a day of tennis. We had upsets across the board, top seeds getting pushed in early doubles points, all of that you want from a college tennis and uh event and more we should mention as we're recording this a all of these teams getting ready for their 9 a.m matches <clears throat> excuse me i think the bug that's going around is heading my way as well but b if you hear that background noise it's because they're warming up and honestly that makes this podcast even more fun so what how we're going to do it today same way we did it yesterday chronologically we're going to start with those two matches that we saw at the 9 a.m then 12 3 30 6 30 break down that quarterfinal and give a little preview of what we're going to see today after we recap how those teams got there as well. So where we have to start are 9 a.m. matches and the first match that was on our broadcast courts, Chris, it was the University of Texas men's Longhorns, the defending NCAA national champions. We've talked about what they've done already uh, throughout the year. They knocked off Florida in match number one in Gainesville. 
their only loss coming when they traveled to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. They're the number three seeds here this week, and they matched up with the number 14 UCLA team uh, that has not had a lot going right for them in 2020. Losses to Cal, to Stanford, their number six coming into the year, Connor Hans, out for this event. But they came out hot. They, you know, the recipe for them was always going to have to be you have to take the doubles point because the depth, you know, on Texas's roster comparatively to UCLA's, that's where Texas's strength is going to shine through. And to UCLA's credit, they came out on fire. Yeah, I mean, this is one where we said, you know, on paper they can compete. They look good. They just don't have the momentum. And uh, and yeah, they came out. Uh, they came out really hot and got the and and got the doubles point like they had to. And then. In, in singles, you know, it it was a battle. It wasn't, it, you know, they they definitely put up a fight. It got it got really really tight as we started getting near the end there, and we kind of had we ended up with like three matches all going on at once. Going, wow, you know, this this could go, you know, a two all match could go either way. Yeah, I think the thing I want to note in doubles is we got a lineup change right away from Coach Burke. Switches things up. Ido Siskard split up. He goes with the duo of Siskard and Waldeep, who are number 11 in the country, given their false successes uh, at number one. He goes Chichi Huang, Spaziri at two, uh, and then with Ito and Cleep Harper at three. And I think that split up is why the Bruins were able to get it. The team of Smith and Nanda unranked, but... I mean, Keegan Smith is as good as any doubles player in the country. He showed that yesterday. They take a 6-2 decision. Ito and Harper, 6-2 at 3. But ultimately, it was Drew Baird, Connor Rapp, holding on to an early break. A couple of deuce points, but they end up getting the job done. 6-3 to give them that 1-0 lead. But then we talked about it in our broadcast booth, and we talked about it all day. It's a constant theme in these college tennis matches. When you go down a doubles point, you know, would you rather have that and two first sets in singles or four first sets in singles? And if you're these Texas Longhorns, you get first sets from Cleve Harper at six, Spaziri at four, Siskard at one, or at two, excuse me, Ito at one. And that was just a matter of, okay, can UCLA find a third, a fourth point? And ultimately, they never could. No, and I think, uh, you know, it, it was a little, a little disheartening for them at one point when they were the match got really, really tight, and I think Zaraj was up like five-one, five-two, I think, and let and let that. Uh, it was either I think it was double break, no matter what, and he let, he let it get back to five-all, uh, and then so, uh, finally, I believe, ends up actually losing the set and going into a third. Ten-eight in that uh, set, yeah, and a breaker. Yeah, and then so he ends up in a third and unable to get that point. In the end, when you look at it, you say, well, it didn't really matter because the three matches that were going on they needed to win two of were 1-2 and his court, and they lost both the matches on one and two, so his match didn't even finish and didn't matter. But you say that now, but at the time, it did matter. I mean, getting that point on the board does things for the guys on the court. And But the, the match that was, and I know both you and I talked about it when it was being played, that was just incredible to watch was that match on number two between Govin Nanda and, and Christian Sigsgaard. And the, the level of play in that match was unbelievable. I mean, you could sit there and watch that all day. Yeah, I think we all know how talented Govin Nanda is. He was the Kalamazoo Boys 18's finalist this past year. Played number three for them last year. And, you know, for UCLA, the recipe all 2019 season was Cressy, Smith, Nanda, and either doubles or we got to pray we get one more in singles. And for the most part, it worked. And so Govin this year stepping up to two, Keegan Smith stepping up to one. By the way, that's a top two that can compete with anyone. But that strength, that uh, 
experience of that Texas tough to Ido and Siskard. They've been everywhere. They've competed against everyone, and they came through in the clutch. Siskard had multiple chances to close out Nanda in that second set. He wasn't able to do it, uh, but then he bounced back so strongly in the third. That's what you expect uh, from a senior leader, and, you know, he gets that set 6-2 in the third. That Smith-Ido match was just weird. I mean, Keegan Smith, no rhythm. He plays so fast. Uh, Ido, it was literally just, can I make a return? And if I can, okay, I think I can win this point. Now, to Ido's credit, he tracks down everything as he always does. That backhand pass down the line, just so beautiful from him. Uh, But ultimately... I think for Texas, if you're looking at this, that you drop an early doubles point, and they're going to play you know, Michigan tomorrow. We'll talk about that match in a second, another scenario where they could lose the doubles point. It's great that they were able to find four singles wins again against a team like UCLA, who this was a loss for them, but probably their best loss of the early parts of the season, and they've taken a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think actually the, coming out of that, that match, it's actually sure they wanted to win, but, me, you know... I'm looking at it a little more objectively from the standpoint of I thought that they weren't going to win the match. But the way the way that they lost, I'm actually encouraged by how they played, how they competed, how close it was, uh, you know, for them. Because I was frankly expecting, yeah, maybe it won't be quite that close. And they battled, they battled well. So uh, get a little away from Coach Steinberg there. You know, what I'm, the, what I was going to say, Alex, what's the over-under on someone just dropping in and chatting in the middle of our podcast? I'm hoping we have that opportunity. If someone walks by closely enough, we'll say, and we're talking about their team, we'll say, hey, just what were your thoughts? And honestly, we probably could have done that right there. But yeah, I know they want to get warmed up. I don't want to interrupt yeah, Coach Steinberg. But Westhoff definitely leave that whole interaction in because there were nice tips of the caps both ways. Uh, and that's the next team we're going to talk about. So it's a perfect segue. I'm glad he walked away. So now if we want to speak critically, we can. Uh, about his University of Michigan Wolverines, my university. University of Michigan Wolverines who are going to match up with this Texas team who again to put a bow on that one you know good performance for them to bounce back that's what champions do but for this Michigan team they're hot now I think winners of their last 10 maybe certainly of like uh, at least seven I mean you look at the teams they've beaten recently coming yeah. into this they beat TCU they beat Columbia uh, they beat Cornell which is still a good win they beat Ole Miss. We've seen how that win's appreciated over time to get here 4-3. They beat Texas Tech to get here 4-3. I say that just because the experience of multiple 4-3 matches early in the season are clearly making the difference for many of these Wolverines on the roster. And once again, this Wolverine team, it comes down to a third set with Andre Styler on the court. And once again, he was down 6-1-4-0 in this match, Chris. And it's hard for us to get into the depth because we're on the broadcast courts. These two matches, Michigan-Texas, were played simultaneously. Uh, but we did get to see the end of that third set from Andre Styler. And, I mean, he was always going to be a promising freshman. When you're the number nine junior in the world or whatever he was, I know it was top ten, uh, there are high expectations. And in that first match to NC State, he took a straight set loss, a bad loss. But you can just tell ever since he clinched, you know, he beats TCU, he beats Columbia. Here, he clinches again against an experienced Juan Carlos Aguilar. This is the talent we expected, and it's made all the difference in the world for the Wolverines. Yeah, you know, know, the question when you have these freshmen really is always how quickly can they can they mature into the college world? You know, they've played ITF juniors. They know what that's like. But the team atmosphere and the team vibe is a, a totally different thing. It's a, t- it's a complete different level 
of getting tight and being nervous because you're no longer tight about your own match. You're tight because you've got, you know, 10 of your best friends now sitting on the side, literally, you know, 15 feet from you watching the match. And, and now you're, you're playing for them more than you're playing for your, for yourself. And, and it, it takes a different level of maturity for these guys coming in. And I, I've been super impressed. You know, I've watched some of the live streams, um, of Styler's matches, we watched him finish against Old Miss. Uh, watched him uh, in that NC State match, and now I got to see him in person. And I'll tell you, the thing that impresses me the most about Andre Styler, because I've seen you see a lot of the freshmen come in, a lot of these freshmen tentative and not him. Yeah, he's he's his form is a super super aggressive, which is very, you know it's great. You want to take the initiative, but you're going to win. Especially indoors, by the way. Yeah, you're going to win. The match is going to be won or lost on your racket and your decisions. You're not going to let the other guy dictate and take it to you. And as you say, indoors, great. The other thing that I'm really impressed with him in, which isn't something that is you know that's non-mental from not from the mental side, is just the physically the his nature. He is not one of these stick-built freshmen that comes in and has has never, and maybe it's genetics, right? I don't know, but he doesn't look like one of the kids that's never lifted weights in his life and all he's done is played tennis because you get a lot of kids that come to college and when the strength and conditioning coaches get a hold of them, they're like, oh my gosh, what have you been doing? Like, all you do is play tennis six hours a day, but you've never actually done any, you know, muscular you training. name Nuno. They know who so, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but, but, um, but we've seen several others here, right? We, as we remarked as they walk by, we're like, yeah, see him, Waldi, the kid is like, you know, I'm sure he's crazy fit and has no, not an ounce of fat on him, but... It, you know he's not he's not built you know mu- I mean, he's a freshman in muscle too, but yeah. yeah but that's what you expect from these freshmen is they come in and they don't they've they have to learn those kinds of things he looks like he came with that already i mean super impressive physique strong guy uh he's looked great yeah and i would say for the wolverines the fact that they're they seem to have found a match calculus take doubles they're phenomenal at it bd uh sorry Seymour fenty number four in the country for a reason they are that good we got to see them at the ann arbor challenger that's a you know that is one of the better doubles teams here and we saw a lot of good ones we'll get to north carolina in a second uh but you know you look at for them it's get a win from styler get a win from Beatty at five and he has been exceptional again he knocks off stefan storch uh six two six six three yesterday uh, to put a quick point on the board for the wolverines in singles and then find another one and for them, yesterday it was Andrew Fenty who has proven on his best days he can compete with anyone. And does it help that this Michigan team plays indoors all the time as opposed to this Texas A&M team, which does not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course that's a factor. And for A&M that they made it as close as they did, they get a win from Noah Schachter at four. And by the way, we got to meet the lovely Mrs. Schachter yesterday. Just what a kind you understand why Noah's had all of that success uh, when you meet someone as lovely as his mother. Um, but... Yeah, you know, this team, they, this Texas A&M team, they've got an interesting choice lineup-wise. Number three, uh, Vachero, uh playing three singles and number three in the country. Straight set win for him over Matthias Seymour, who's been playing particularly well of late. So that's a really good win for Vachero, and you have to wonder. I know Habib and Aguilar are both great, but it does feel maybe there's some lineup finagling for Coach Denton still to do. Um, overall, though, you know, your thoughts for Texas A&M on this result? Yeah, I mean, I think... By the, the way, Wolverines are now officially on court. <laughs> yeah, the, that noise in the background is the Michigan Wolverines getting uh, ready, warming up for their match. Uh, 
Yeah, I think for Texas A&M, look, those top three, like you mentioned, they are the top three. I don't know if, I mean, I would guess we'll see some order swapping during the year, really more based on who's playing, who's in form at the time. But uh, I'll pause as they run directly by us, and it's probably really, really loud. But, uh, but yeah, those, those top three will be the top three. They'll be fine, especially when they get outdoors. Again, this is one of these deals, like you said. They're not an indoor team. They sure, do, do they feel like they should have won that match? Yeah, they don't. They still don't feel like they should have lost the match. But, um, you know, they'll learn from it. They'll go. I think I still have questions for Texas A&M at the bottom of the lineup, right? Barney Smith was submitted in a position uh, to be playing. Um, he, I've, I've heard that he is... In, uh, he was banged up a little earlier in the year. He's not banged up now. He's completely healthy. He's playing as good as he was last year and just didn't make the lineup. But when we say, and, and, and I think when we look at those scores, uh, right, the, that uh, Guido Marson at six, I, I believe, won his, won his match down there. So it wasn't like playing Barney at six no, was going to be the difference, right? So it was, it was up at the top that, that, that they, ended up, they ended up losing that. Now, now, a healthy Barney, if he's playing, you know, a Barney like we saw last year, playing four or five, and and A and M drops that match at five. That really was to me uh, a killer because we knew we knew it'd be really competitive up top. A and M should have had the advantage down low. They get four and six, but they don't get five uh, with Beatty. And I think that's a, I think that was a, a big that was a big difference maker in that match. Yeah, I no certainly. I mean. For Texas A&M, again, we're not outdoors, so they have, this is not their preferred surface, and these courts are playing fast this weekend. You know, when you're playing a Fenty, a Styler, uh, even a Beatty, who's playing big at five, that can get the job done for the Wolverines. So now let's preview this quarterfinal. That's going to be our morning kickoff match here on day two. Wolverine's going to take on the University of Texas, the obviously cool storyline off the court. Bruce Burke, former University of Michigan coach, now head of these Texas Longhorns, head coach of these Texas Longhorns, leads them to a national championship last year. He gets to play his former program for these Wolverines now to make the quarterfinals here. They've proven uh, their chops throughout the year as well. So overall, you're, you're looking at a match preview. You're looking at the match calculus for this match, Chris. I guess biggest lineup questions for you, assuming we get the same Texas doubles lineup, uh, I assume we both think Michigan has to take the doubles point, but ultimately, how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, I think, Mi- I, yes, Michigan has to take the doubles point, a- and I think Michigan does take the doubles point. Based on what we saw from Texas yesterday uh, and what we've seen from Texas's doubles results this year and really even going back to last year, lots of questions about how, how good they can perform in doubles. Now, they've shown, much like teams like Wake Forest teams of the past that they don't have to have the doubles point to win because they're that good in singles, but they are playing a couple freshmen in singles now this year, so I don't I don't know. I think at some point that starts to become a factor. I don't think they get the doubles point today. I think Michigan gets the doubles point, but I will say today, I think, again, the depth in singles for them will probably still be enough, even without the doubles point, uh, but... And it, I expect I do expect a, a tight match, but yeah, I think I think doubles goes goes Michigan's way, uh, but then I think I think Texas gets the better of it in singles. Yeah, I, I mean certainly, I think Michigan hopefully will take the hopefully. You know where I'm leaning in this one. I mean, you guys have listened to a Cracked Rackets podcast before, but yeah, 
for Michigan, I think the path looks like you take the doubles point. Fenty, Styler, Seymour can compete with any top three, but in Ito and Siskard, obviously at that top two, that's a particular challenge. I'm not going to say Styler's out of any match with how well, how confidently he's been playing. Uh, so I think they have to get that one. I think they probably have to get Spaziri over Waldeep. Waldeep and Seymour both, uh, Spaziri, excuse me, Seymour over Waldeep. Both of those guys took losses yesterday. Seymour the more experienced of the two. Uh, we'll see how they both respond today. And then I think it's probably got to be Beatty at five. And I know he's come through in the clutch for them so many times this season. That is when he's winning, they're winning. And against Chi-Chi Huang, it's a guy who came back yesterday against Siraj, was in a third set when that match ended. You know, Beatty, all the confidence in the world. Chi-Chi Huang has not had the greatest 2020 thus far. Uh, he's had a good dual match season, but didn't have that great of a fall. That being said, you're right. The singles depth, I mean, you go by our friends, our sponsors here this week, UTR, and you look at the lineups there. I mean, Texas favorites all across the board. The smallest gap is between Beattie and Huang, only .25. It's hard to deny Texas's depth. Give me a pick, Chris. Uh, I'm, so I'll say, uh, just formula-wise, I'm with you. I think if Michigan's going to do it, it's doubles. I think three, five, six. The problem is, I think six... I mean, they didn't get anything out of six yesterday. Brown took a fairly easy straight set loss. Um, they don't have Maloney. So I think that makes it tough. And if they can't get six, then it's either one or two. One of the top two's got to come through. I just don't think they get it done. Uh, I'm going to take Texas 4-2. Much better. I don't want you picking my Wolverines yeah. ever again. Once I come out of the – I'm out of jinx mode. Uh, <laughs> and, and now I'm back to, to normal where now now they can just – Make me make me wrong. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good match. I think if Michigan gets the doubles point, it's going to you know. I think we could get well. I think we're going to get a, couple, a bunch of three set matches. Would not shock me if both Fenty and Siler steal another set today from Ito and Siskard respectively. But I agree, the depth for Texas, it's hard to deny. I'll take the Longhorns 4-2, but I'm excited for that match, certainly, to kick off our day. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Let's get to the 12 o'clock hour. That was our second round of matches. The number two seeded USC Trojans took on the Horn Frogs of TCU. Two different, completely different stories. You know, this USC team, they returned their top four. Ryder Jackson, Stefan Dostinich, a really fun 5-6 freshman combo for them. They've got, you know, players who are ranked in the Jake Sands, Bradley Fry, and they're not even playing in the lineup. And, you know, for the Trojans, they, t- they took on that Horn Frogs team that they're so young, and they've struggled throughout the year. Losses to Virginia, to Michigan, we don't, you know, to UNC. We don't have to relitigate all the TCU losses. But TCU came out fighting, and it, they showed why I think so many of us, me, you, Matt, uh, consider them dangerous in the offseason because they took that doubles point from the Trojans and, you know, they took that 1-0 lead and it really did fell. It came down to the top two courts. They competed across the board. This was a phenomenal match. That 4-2 scoreline may not even reflect how close it really was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I'm encouraged for you know for my pick early in the year, which was hey I think TCU's good and they just hadn't played up to that level. 
they pl- they played a good match yesterday. I'll, you know, yes, maybe you want to throw the one caveat in there with a big asterisk that said, hey, you know, you know, Holt, Brandon Holt was really, really bad shape, sick, you know, health-wise. He looked horribly ill, uh, and, and you know, even after the match, we saw that, hey, he there were some ill effects of, uh, you know, his play on the court just... He obviously wasn't feeling good. We hope he's better today. Hope he's in the lineup. Uh, but but TCU competed across the board with the USC team. To me, that's a. Uh, I think this TCU team playing the three freshmen is they're just a little bit behind in that college tennis maturity that we talked about with like Andre Styler, and they're they're getting that. And through the year, they will get better, and they'll be there at the end. It was a very good match. But yeah, USC super super impressive yesterday. Uh, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what you, what more you could ask for from those guys. They look great. Uh, and as we sit here and talk about USC, it makes me think I want to send Super Producer Daniel Westoff back into the archives <laughs> because I honestly don't remember the answer to this question. But I want to know when when Coach Brett Macy put me on the spot and said, "Oh, hey, well that's a that's a good idea. You give me my lineup. <laughs> I want to feel. I want to say." Maybe I had three, four backwards, but I want to say I pretty much gave him the exact lineup that he's playing now where he had the two freshmen in Dostanich and Ryder Jackson playing 5-6 because he does have all those options with Jake Sands, with Bradley Fry, but ultimately going with the freshmen, and they've looked, they've looked great. Yeah, I mean, you talk about it for them. First of all, the, the lineup decision maybe of the day, just to put a bow on the TCU side of things, Sander Jong looked so good in doubles. Coach Rodidi decides to play him at the number six position, goes with Kruger at five. I believe we didn't get... Who didn't play then? Who they? Jurasek at the bottom yeah, of the lineup Jurasek is who they pulled. Play. And Sander Jong rewards Coach Rodidi there. A 4-2 and two win for him fairly quickly over Ryder, Dostinich, uh, over Ryder Jackson. Excuse me, Stefan Dostinich responds with a quick win for the Trojans to get them on the board, cut the bleeding. Uh, they, it was one all at that point when he beat Burtis Kruger 1-3. and three. And then Riley Smith, uh, that match got complicated against Paralek in that second set, but he took that breaker 7-6 so that to get it to 2-all. And then we had a bunch of battles. Uh, you know, I think we can't go any further without mentioning my performer of the day, Brandon Holt, who clearly, I don't know if it's a flu, a respiratory thing, whatever it is, I mentioned yesterday it was negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit as we were rolling into this facility. Uh, but he was under the weather, hacking the entire match, coughing. It affected his movement. You know, after the match, you could tell how much he was hurting. He put together a performance and a half, and it's a testament to his talent how easy he makes things look, even when physically he's hurting. Alistair Gray kept pressing, kept trying to attack, but Brandon Holt took that first set. You know, Grace, by the way, Alistair Gray served for both the first and the second sets up 5 4 at that 5 4 deuce point. Holt hits his return. Gray thinks it's going out. It lands just on the baseline. Five all. Holt rides that momentum to 7-5, although it did feel like he was in control for a lot of that first set. Alistair Gray, same thing, second set. 5-4, deuce point. He serves and volleys. Uh, Holt just comes up with something too good. And so uh, at that point, Brandon Holt, he the match didn't finish, but it was 6-all. He was up 8-7 in that breaker when it ended. And I think that he was on the court, you know, still leading. That was so important for the Trojans as they headed into those other third sets. Uh, and, you know, for them, it was more bullets at four. Quickly flipped things around on Jacob Fernley, the freshman, 4-6-6, 4-6-1. And then ultimately, Daniel Cookerman over uh, Luke Famba of TCU at two. Cookerman was up five love in that first set. Famba races all the way back to five. All Cookerman ends up taking it 7-5. And then, you know, Famba led 
it, the momentum was all his in the second, was up for the majority of it, ends up winning at 6-4. Kukerman flipped the script really fast, and it's a testament to that USC top two. All of these top two here compete, can compete with one another. They're all so talented. And I thought, you know, for USC now, uh, a good performance, considering, you know, the Holt issues at the top, good performance for them here indoors. Yeah, I think that, you know, the 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 that Holt match, I would say, you know, that match ends with Brandon Holt up 8-7 in a breaker. And I'll say this, I don't think I've ever seen a match where somebody was one was at match point and couldn't have been happier for the match to end and him not finish. He couldn't get off that court quick enough. He was just, oh thank gosh, it's over. Like get me get me some Gatorade, get some get whatever the heck I need in me. But he yeah, he was great. Uh, absolute tremendous performance from Brandon Holt. But yeah, I I mean these the 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 USC guys, and for a team that's not supposed to be uh, an indoor team because they're from LA, they have so many guys that hit the ball so big that I think you know it gives them a good shot. And you know we're a long way away from it, but golly, if we end up with a USC versus either uh, you know either of the indoor teams that I would call the indoor specialist teams to me being Ohio State and North Carolina, both of whom are obviously tremendously good anywhere, but but very good indoors. I think that I, I would, I'm really looking forward to seeing something something like that. Yeah, and the Trojans are now going to get a rematch with a Stanford Cardinal team that they have already beaten this year, a 6-1 Stanford 4-3 winners over NC State. We didn't get to see that one, but just to put a bow on it real quick, NC State did what they had to do to try and pull off the upset. What they've done all year, they get the doubles point, they get Galarno at one, he knocks out Axel Geller 7-6-6-4, um, but just too much depth for the Stanford team. Rotsard, Sridhar, and uh, Kolazinski, uh, all straight set winners. Ultimately, Neil Rajish, I believe. Or not real. It, was it Rajish? Rajish? It was it Rajish. Was, yeah, yeah and, and in that match, right? So, I mean, it wasn't just like, yeah, Stanford, the score looks close, but they were going to win. No, that match came down to court five. And they were they were playing battle of the breaks in the third set on court five, and Rajish was up a break. Then Katri got it back. Then Katri was up a break. NC State was actually up a break in the third set on that match, and we were thinking, uh oh, here we go, we could have another upset. And then Rajish just put the put the pedal down and, and ended up running, you know, taking the last couple games of that match. But yeah, that was an, a very very tight match, right down to the wire. And, and Rajesh, the freshman for Stanford, gets it done uh, at number five. But NC State, again, I'll, I'll say this much like I did kind of with my, even though it's a loss, I'm encouraged for TCU. Same for NC State. I didn't expect them, honestly, to keep it that tight with Stanford. Very encouraged with the fact that they brought that match all the way down to a, you know, a third set, you know, with at number five uh, singles. Just super, super good impressive. No, it was a great result for the Cardinals, certainly, and look, in this rematch with USC, which we're going to get in our quarterfinal, we can talk about that now. They played each other not that long ago. It was January 31st. USC takes the doubles point, get wins at 2-3. and three. Uh, Ultimately, it was then uh, a really close match. You know, the only straight set wins for the, the Trojans. Ryder Jackson, 3-2 and two at the bottom. Brandon Holt, 5-2 and two at the top. Certainly Jackson could repeat that performance, but given Holt's health issues, I thought Axel Geller looked good yesterday. Uh, that's going to be a really tough match for them there. 
the other matches, though, you know, Bull is 3-4 and four over Saw. They're going to need that. Riley Smith, 6-6 six and six over Shredhart. They're going to desperately need that. And then Hoikerman, three sets over Rotsart. You assume that's a toss-up given the level of both guys. Uh, this is going to be a really close match, and it really could do- come down to Neil Rajish and Stefan Dostinich at the five singles position. Uh, I think the doubles point is also going to be critical for this Trojan team, knowing where Holt's at at the top of the lineup. You don't want to go down an early 1-0 lead and need four singles victories to beat these Cardinals. So that being said, what's your pick for this one? This is, I mean, this is this is tough because I'll say that match, even though it was 6-1 USC, some of those matches that, you know, that when you have matches that are going three sets, they're, they're so close that you say, changing the venue now from outdoors to indoors it's a completely different match that and then throw on top of it that we actually have no idea right now what how brandon holt's feeling is he you know was it a quick hey you maybe it was food poisoning we don't even know is it something that was just yep it was 24 hours it's gone and i'm 100 or is he really under the weather and maybe not even playing i don't know and if if he's not in the lineup that makes it a totally different match for USC, but I'm going to I'm going to work off the assumption that we will see Brandon Holt that that he'll be in they'll he'll be in the lineup. They've got their team at full strength, and uh, yeah, I expect another good close match. But I I've got to roll with the Trojans. I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take USC four two. There's gonna be an upset today. There has to be. And the question is, where am I gonna pick it? In Florida, North Carolina, neither team winning would be an upset. By the way, that's just a pickup. This is the one I circle because of, I, you just don't know about the health of these Trojans, especially you know if they pull Holt, let's say, from the doubles. Well, that's a wild card. And again, if Stanford goes up 1-0, you see a path where Geller wins today 2-0. And then just finding you know four wins is a lot harder than finding two wins for Stanford after that. Not saying that it's an easy win for Geller, but I just think the idea of trying to find four singles wins is going to be difficult. Oh, do I want to pick it? No, I like Coach Brett Macy. I, I also, I mean, he, he he did a good job working us yesterday. Him and uh, Chris Quinta and Bauman were sitting right next to us. Yeah, yeah. We can't pick again. I'm gonna go four three here, but I'm gonna take the Trojans, uh, and I think it's going to be a really fun match. All right, we probably have to speed things up a little bit, so we're probably gonna skip Florida Columbia as a recap. I will just say this real quickly: uh, Florida four zero. They take the doubles point. Crawford and Riffis six four up top. Vale and Goodyear six three at three. They then get straight set wins from their top three, flexing their muscles. And to be honest, I think that's where we thought that's where they could separate themselves from this Columbia team who indoors great depth. They needed the doubles point. They didn't get it, but you know, the top of Florida just too good. Crawford, Riffis, Vale, all straight set winners. Real quickly, Chris, your thoughts on this performance for Florida. Yeah, I mean it was very super encouraging because it's one of those everybody circled as wow for a 5-12 matchup Florida got the worst draw because Columbia is such a dangerous team uh, and you know they did what they had to do and that was they came, they came out and won and they didn't just come out and, and win in the grind they won very quick very comfortably uh, got their business done got off the court uh, get you know get rested and focus on this match so I think you know 
couldn't have been any more impressed with with what they did yesterday. I know you were saying the whole time you expected to see Blaze Bicknell at five, uh, six singles for them. He split sets with Austin Huang, Yo- Johannes Inglitsen, which down a set but up a break against Alex Coatsen, and then Andrade, 7-6 first set, 1-0 in the second. So you look at the lineup choices for Florida. Is this the lineup you expect to see tomorrow against, or today, I should say, against the Tar Heels? Yeah, I'm not sure. I love that you give me credit for that, but I actually didn't say that I expected to see Bicknell. It was more about I didn't expect to see Lucas Greif, and and I kind of thought we might see Goodger, right? Goodger, a transfer to Florida from Tulsa, obviously has lots of indoor experience there, so I thought we might see him. I'm not sure that we see the same lineup. Um, you know, the line, what they submitted was the the top five solid down through Ingoldson, and then it doesn't really matter what you put at six because you can just say we're pulling everybody to play the guy we want to play, right? So they get their choice at six. What would, sh- you know, the the bigger question would be would they pull an Ingoldson? Ingoldson did manage to drop a set there, right? And I still don't think they pull him, but... But I would not be surprised at all, based on what happened yesterday, if we did see a switch and it wasn't Bicknell today and we did see maybe Goodger uh, or even Greif or Will Grant. I mean, they have so many options there. It's I won't be shocked if it's a different six. or I, And I wouldn't be totally shocked if it was a different five-six. Um, you know, I, I do know in this matchup that, that we're going to get today with North Carolina that from a Florida, from a Florida perspective, they would have much rather seen a an Ingoldson at five matching up with a Josh Peck at five and Cernok at four, but that's not the lineup that Carolina is going with. They've got Peck at four, Cernok at five, and I say that because Peck, big server, big game, much like a lot of these big guys where you want to match up with him with one of your better returners. Ingoldson by far the best returner there, so that would have been a nice matchup they don't get. Maybe it's enough for them to say, you know what? We're not going to play Joe then at five. We're going to go ahead and slide uh, slide whoever they submitted in at, at six up and then play, and it might be a Goodger Bicknell that we see instead. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we'll get to see this Florida team and all of their wonder in our match of the day because they're going to take on the UNC Tar Heels in that 4-5 matchup. The Tar Heels uh, in their match, South Carolina proving and ultimately Wake afterwards. We'll talk about how difficult it is to beat a team twice in a week span. And, you know, that looms large also for that Stanford-USC match. You know, it's so difficult, especially when you beat a team down 6-1, everything goes your way. They're going to bounce back in that next one. And South Carolina certainly bounced back in this. Now, the first thing we have to mention, though, it was all Tar Heels in the doubles. They looked so good. Their highest-ranked team uh, of Kiger and Sondergaard playing two, justifiably, because, in my opinion, the best doubles player in the country, Will Blumberg, who just plays big, moves forward, looks so comfortable playing doubles. Uh, he and Brian Cernock looked so good at one. I mean, they won 6-0 in about 20 minutes. They got a 6-1 win from Seguin and Rinky, which is like, oh, yeah, that's our scrappy three doubles team. A 6-1 as well to put a 1-0 point on the board. And ultimately, that point loomed so large for the Tar Heels because South Carolina came out hot. Or I should say the Tar Heels came out hot. They won four first sets and singles, but South Carolina was not going away. They battled across the board. They themselves get a win from, I believe it was, who did they get their wins from? They got a win, they got a win from, from Thomas Brown at six, I know. That's what it was. Well, oh, I'm looking at the wrong match. Of course, that was the other South Carolina scoreline. Yeah, they got Thomas Brown at six. I think they got the four match as well over Peck. Uh, and they put two points on the board pretty yeah. quickly. And, you know, we got maybe our match of the day, one singles-wise, was that NCAA champion, defending NCAA champion, Paul Jubb, taking on former NCAA singles finalist Will Blumberg. 
big hitting battle. Those are two guys with pro weapons, pro games. The first set, Will Blumberg came out and played top 100 tennis. I mean, he was painting line after line after line. That serve looked so big. There was nothing a player as good as Paul Jubb could have done to adjust in that first set, but it's a credit to Will Blumberg, who we said, if he's clicking, the ceiling for these Tar Heels is national championship winners. And when this team clicks, even when South Carolina, who may have objectively played you know, their best match of the season, that's about as close as you can get to the Tar Heels. They were competing everywhere, and you know they're going to look even better once it's outdoors. But this Tar Heel team indoor, they're dangerous. Yeah, I, I think it really started to look like, wait, wait a minute, South Carolina might be able to do this, especially when, and I, and I was talking to Coach Goffey afterwards, when, when Rafael Lambling had a 4-1 lead in the breaker on court two, it was, you know, and, South, and that momentum had started to switch. All of that team was right there. They themselves were like, hey, this is it. We are there. Everybody's flipping, them, flipping their matches. And they just couldn't quite get over the hump. And, you know, North Carolina did what those good teams do. And that, that is they fought off that big momentum push that South Carolina brought to them. And they managed to turn it back around. But, yeah, great result from South Carolina. I think, I think a great match for them. But as we turn and look towards this match today and we say now Florida-North Carolina, you know, my biggest, con- you know, my biggest concern for North Carolina, especially after yesterday taking a straight set loss to Thomas Brown at six for them, not a good result for North Carolina, and the and the fact that Florida has tremendous depth uh, and and they will be they will certainly have gone back last night. You know, one of the things I'm I'm sure everybody knows this, all of these coaches, you know are very you know they know each other well they're all good friends they all go back and talk amongst themselves between for scouting for the next day so i guarantee you and i know for a fact that florida and south carolina staying at the same hotel coach goffey coach stump were talking after the match they would have done some scouting together uh and and they and they know they all know it it's fair you know the next week they're doing it against each other, right? You're helping someone else scout them. It's it's just what you do. They're going to have gotten the word on, hey, what did Thomas Brown do that made that so easy at six? I think that's a that's a concern point for North Carolina. But what I'm what I'm almost most excited about to see in this match is the doubles point. As you mentioned, North Carolina looked so good at doubles, winning those matches 0 and 1, and the Florida team that. We, you know, we liked to pick on last year and, and, and even before that, like where they're, they're so good in singles and they're so bad at doubles. Like, why can't they? now this year they've been tremendous at doubles. So now we get a, a Florida team that's playing good doubles against a North Carolina team that's just ridiculously good at doubles. I can't wait to see that doubles point. And then, I mean, the singles matchups across the board. Yeah, I, I mean. The, that North Carolina got the job done up top. Seguin, a tricky three-set match with Rafael Lambling. By the way, South Carolina flipping Rodriguez and Lambling for this one. They obviously didn't like what happened when the two teams played a week ago. Um, you know, Seguin played big. He got the job done. It was clear Lambling was frustrating him. We could see it on his face. Him and Coach Goffey started, you know, bickering a little bit, and that spoke to how competitive this match was getting. Um, but Seguin hit too big there. Cernok at five, considering the concerns for Inglitson, as you mentioned. That's a recipe for UNC to get a win there. Blumberg, Crawford, Riffis, Seguin, those are toss-ups. All those guys are so good. You know, Rinky, I'd probably give him a slight favorite over Vale, though that's going to be a freaking battle as well. Um, it's going to be a really good match. So you talked about it. That doubles point is going to be critical. Who are you picking there? Who do you have in this one? 
Well, you know. We're definitely going to pick the opposite ways so one of us are right. I'll make the case for the other team. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Gruskin philosophy of picking against the team you want to win. That way you feel like you got you get something out of it either way. Either my picks right or the team that I wanted to win was right. And and that is I'm going to pick North Carolina only because you know I'm a Gator fan. I love the Gators. I want to see the Gators win, but I'll I'll take prove I'll take the the provenness to me at the doubles point and from what I've seen and that is such a dominant North Carolina doubles team even though Florida's playing great doubles and if North Carolina does manage to get the doubles point I honestly think whoever gets the doubles point here probably wins this match because it's going to be so hard to get four singles I'll take North Carolina in doubles I I do think that what we saw to Will Blumberg yesterday yes Oliver Crawford's a great player uh, and and I have to pause there. I'm stunned, and I hope Westhoff leaves this in. So, I I think the Crawford-Blumberg match, while it's a great match, if Blumberg's playing the way he's playing, you have to make him a favorite in, in a match. So I think... I think they get that. Uh, I don't know what we're going to see the rest of the way. Probably, you know, geez, it's so it's so tight. I do like, I I do like Sam Riffis. I think Riffis can win that match at two. I like Florida's chances at six. I'm with you. I think Rinky's got to be the favorite at three uh, over Vale. But yeah, I, I definitely I see probably splitting the six singles matches, and it comes down to dubs. and And I'm going to go ahead and say I, I think Carolina gets it done. I think we both agree this should be a four three thriller. Both of these teams, top to bottom, so much talent. Florida probably a little stronger at the bottom, which is crazy. Oh, actually, I don't know if I can say that. I would say maybe even UNC stronger at the bottom. Cernok, Pack, you can really go either way. It's crazy. Yeah. I think UNC is going to take the doubles point, and that's the problem. I do think Blumberg's going to play great at one. He's playing so big at one indoors. These conditions against Crawford probably favor him. But, man, is this a toss-up. Uh, you already told me you were going to pick opposite. Yeah, but you, it's not even that you made a good case. I just believe in these North Carolina Tar Heels. I do think them, Ohio State, the winner of that match, is probably the winner of this Wait, event. Who, who did you I our, took OSU. We did our, no, what? we did our preview picks for the whole thing. Who did yeah, I, I took Ohio State, oh, okay, just so to be so a little you, bit different. So you could be safe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, but man. Yeah, I lied. I'm going to take the Tar Heels 4-3. I just think indoors conditions favor them, but this is going to be a battle, so it's going to be so much fun. All right, with all due respect to the Buckeyes, we're going to skip them other than to say they beat Wisconsin 4-0. They looked good in doubles, wins at 1-3. McNally and Cash, number one doubles team in the country, played the role last night in front of a packed house. It was awesome to see these Wisconsin tennis fans come out for this match, for this event. Speaks to the job Coach Danny Westerman and what their program is doing to uh, as our gracious hosts here this weekend. Uh, but it was all Buckeyes. Maybe the most notable thing, Kyle Selig lost the first set. That was the only set they dropped. Uh, and, you know, we joked about it before. He was the lock of the tournament. So that's just an interesting thing to monitor. And I saw Coach Tucker had his team out there for 30 minutes after the match as well. But 
they're going to take on a Wake Forest team that one week after they lost to Baylor 4-1 at Baylor 4-2, excuse me, they lose the doubles point again to the Bears, and they came out hot in singles. Wins at three through five. Botzer knocks off Soto at one. It was it was interesting because in that first matchup, Baylor beat them without Adrian Boyton. In this one, Adrian Boyton plays but takes a loss at three. It pushes everyone down. They take losses down the lineup as well. It sets up a really interesting quarterfinal a rematch of last year's finals at this national indoors event between the Demon Deacons and the Buckeyes. I guess, A, what did you think about the Demon Deacons' win over the Baylor Bears? We didn't get to see much of it, but uh, what did you think about it at the end that they were able to separate in singles? And then, B, what are your thoughts on this quarterfinal? Yeah, so I would say that I think somehow, somehow Baylor spoiled us with what they did against Wake in in Waco by winning that match 4-1 because had they not done that, had Wake gone in and kind of won that match against the the weakened Baylor lineup, which at that point was still missing Boynton, Boynton who is back for this tournament but was not there for the match where Baylor won, uh, had Wake won that match, we'd have been, yeah, we expected them to win. They come in here and I would have and we probably all would have been on the on on the yeah, we'll probably see a close one, but Wake probably win again. But because Baylor beat them without Boyton, all of a sudden we're all on the Baylor bandwagon again. Like, oh, they're back. They're ready to go. They're playing good. And they've got Boyton back now. Playing well. But hey, great playing job. well. Yeah, gosh. I, you know, you get me with the good and well, and I get you with the me and I. I mean, so, uh, so yeah, I I think they spoiled us there, which, which made us all go, yep, we're going to lean Baylor's way, and it didn't happen. But I will say... Uh, if I just erase that that result from my mind, sure, I would have thought Wake, and it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I think, the, you know, Wake continues. We all want to doubt them because they lost. You know, anytime you lose Goyo and Rusojos, you you think you're you've got a lot to replace. It's going to be tough. They continue to get the job done and get the result. And I think, I think, unlike what I'm going to guess the popular opinion is, this could be a very very interesting there match. There we go. And the only thing that really, and it, it actually kind of upsets me because I would love to see a super tight, close match. The killer here is just the doubles point. Wake is not winning doubles points. Ohio, against anyone. Yeah, against anybody. Ohio State is ridiculously good at doubles. Indoors, too. And there's, So there's no way that you're picking Wake to win the doubles point. And if they start out in a 1-0 deficit, to win four singles matches is going to be tough. But, and I'll say this with a big but, Wake is not an outdoor team. They get plenty of opportunity to play indoors. Those guys, so so they're not going to be, you know, at such a deficit there. And top to bottom, they do have good depth. We saw Botzer play tremendously well yesterday. Uh, and so I think, I think that at every single one of those positions, they can compete. They're not going to be significant underdogs. I think maybe two is going to be a little tough, uh, especially now that I think they've got Squire up at two, right? Squire versus Cannon Kingsley, a tough matchup. Which, by the way, was one of the big lineup decisions of the day. Just to recap it, they went Botzer, Squire, uh, Badi, 
Efstafalu, Nava, and Banthia. They got straight set wins from those three and five positions. No one gave up three through five. No one gave up more than four games. Yeah, that is the heart of their lineup now. And it's funny because last year that's where their weakness was. This year, the fact that they have depth, that they brought in spec, so many starters. I don't even think we saw Kungu play yesterday. You know, he's sitting on the bench for them. This depth for the Wake Forest team is good, and that's where, you know, Kyle Seelig losing a set yesterday. You wonder about his level of play. Of course, no one doubts what he's capable of when he's playing his best, but Kingsley, Boulez, and, you know, that the heart of that Buckeye lineup, and Trotter even, and Cash, they're, they're all new starters this year, and that's not the case for this Wake Forest team. All of these guys, even if they struggled last year, they played in a national indoor final. They played in a national championship final come NCAAs. That is why I agree with you. This match is really interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't see, it's one of those where I, it's good, it's, it's going to be a good match because I don't see any spot out there where we just go, yeah, oh, wow. just, just give them, just give them the point. No, I think either team could win at any of those six. The only point I think that we feel like is a, you know, a 80 plus percent double. given is the doubles yeah. point. Ohio State, I mean, if Wake were to get the doubles point, I, we would all just be like, what the heck just happened? I mean, what what was that? But yeah, Ohio State takes the doubles. It it probably means it's it's way too tough after that. But I do like the fact that I think Wake and Wake is, you know, they're under the radar, if you will. Nobody's expecting that out of them. Uh, they, you know, and everybody's almost expecting the, you know, expecting the worst. Like, oh, you lost the big two. It's going to be tough. And and you know, you went down to Baylor and lost a team that didn't even have you know Boyton or Brooksby in the lineup. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I, I give them a great shot today. So. I'll, then I'll ask for your pick and your recipe. Uh, your choice is Ohio State, Wake Forest. Who's going to win and what's it going to look like? Ah, uh, all right. Well, just Wait, you think I'm not going to make you make a pick? Just, yeah. just because we want some differences, and I know where you're, you're going to go. Yes. I'm going to say I'm going to pick the upset. That is such a so. I'm going to say, and I'm going to say Ohio State still takes the doubles point. And no surprise. I don't think that happens. I, but I'm going to say somehow, some way here, Wake surprises us, and they come out and they get four of those singles matches. And if you're going to say what's the recipe, I'm going to say Botzer gets a win at one. I'm going to say they pick up. Def, they've definitely got to have a win at six. Uh, and then so from the middle, I I don't think they get it at two. Um, so I think between between three, four, five, I think they pick up two of those. All right, I, look. That's a very feasible. I think we're going to see some close matches again on our broadcast court. 4-2, 4-3 variety. This one is certainly can go that way. Both of these teams, great depth. Both of these teams, quality indoor teams. I mean, that's a great upset pick, and had I not picked the Buckeyes to win this event, I may have even pulled the trigger myself, but the Kingsley at 2 looked so good yesterday. The only thing that slowed him down was a nosebleed. And then you got to teach me the nosebleed rules. If you bleed on the court for 15 minutes, it's a default. All of these different things I didn't know, which was honestly half the fun of that day. And we were so grateful to any of you in the who came and said hello to us, who you know wanted to express, you know, we appreciate what you do. We appreciate that you college tennis fans are out there and that you're coming to these events to support these players. Really cannot emphasize enough the level of play. I think tonight's nightcap, hopefully that Wisconsin crowd comes back because they'd be treated to a great one between the Buckeyes and Wake Forest. Doubles point to Ohio State. I say they get Trotter at five, Kingsley at two, 
And then Kyle Seedlick bounced back, beats Iftafalu at four as well. But this is going to be a 4-3 battle. I think it's going to, it could really go either way. So we are so excited to be doing the broadcast, not just today, but all weekend here. And we can't thank our partners at the ITA at PlaySite enough for setting up these opportunities, making it possible. Oh, look, you can find those links all day long on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, follow our account at Crack Rackets, at Great Shot Pod, at College Tennis Ranks. And you're going to be treated to some great content. We're going to, it's so fun to be here in person, second year in a row. Uh, so shout out to all of these teams for living up to the hype. This really is a great event. So much great tennis on the grounds all day long. That being said, if you missed any of the action, go to our website, crackrackets.com. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Crack Interviews Podcast, we'll be sure to start talking more with these players and coaches throughout the weekend, so be on the lookout for that content. A big thank you to our friends at both Aerobar and Diadem for making these podcasts possible. Again, the promo code's there. Cracked 34, 30% off your Aerobar order. CR50 for 50% off your diadem order shout out to the super producers max fleener and daniel westoff for the f***ing job they've done all week we have been on the road for these past what 10 days uh, there's been gsps there's been so many things it's all about oh, oh chris is asking me what is this ending going to be it's going to be a mini break just so you know because it's a day you know we're recapping a daily thing it was the day's action um but yeah so shout out to the super producers for keeping all of these things in check that being said we got another fun day in front of us and we're going to get started so for my wonderful co-host Chris Halliors, our super producers Max Leader, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Aerobar and Diet Dim, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.